the Trex in Sci-Fi Podcast. Greetings, everyone. This is Trex in Sci-Fi, show number 60 for June the 25th, 2006. Going to do a nice Star Wars podcast this week, so pull out those lightsabers and let's get going. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The next chapter in the Star Wars saga. Join the further adventures of Luke Skywalker. Han Solo. Princess Leia. Lando Calrissian. Chewbacca. C-3PO and R2-D2. And Darth Vader. Revenge of the Jedi. Coming next summer to a theater in your galaxy. Well, hey again, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is Rico, and this is your Trexan Sci-Fi Podcast for the week. Uh, this week, we're going to be looking at a Star Wars movie. We're going to look at the... I've looked at uh, most of the original trilogy. I've looked. I've done a podcast on the first Star Wars film, Star Wars uh, Episode Four: A New Hope, as it's known now. And I've also done a look at uh, Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, my favorite of the three of the original trilogies. But this week, I am going to look at the last of the original trilogy, Return of the Jedi. That uh, that will be the main subject for this week's podcast. And I, well, I'm going to try to bring a, f- a little more new light to the movie, uh, talk about why I really like it, why I think it's... Um, It's worthy, definitely, of being one of the original trilogy Star Wars movies, and it it tends to be the one that most people aren't as happy with, perhaps, of the original trilogy, but I'll I'll tell you at least what I think, uh, what I like about it, and and why I I think it's, uh, it's really a really good movie. First, though, I've got a few uh, kind of discussion topics and announcements and a little bit of email to go over, so we'll get through that, and then we'll get to the looking at uh, Return of the Jedi. First thing I'd like to say is I'm continuing to do some enhancements to the website. The last thing that I did recently was I added a live chat section to it. Uh, You can get to that off a link off the main page at treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com. Both of those links will get you to the main website. And I encourage everyone who listens to the podcast, if you haven't had a chance to look at the website in in quite a while, to take a look again. The, again, there's a uh, it's a live chat link, and basically what that it brings up is a brings up a window, uh, which is sort of like a it's obviously a typical uh, internet chat uh, area, and I'm gonna periodically on the forums and on the main page I'll post a time that I'll uh, I'll say that I'll be online in the live chat area, maybe to hook up and talk to uh, various listeners out there. I know I've done that with Skype, but sometimes that's a little more complicated for people to set up. And live chat, this should work on any computer out there for everyone. 
and it's not quite as um like I said is not quite as hard to hook up and and it's not quite as complex and 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 just that you know the chat can just be pretty loose and whoever happens to be on at the time you know hook up and take a look but check that out and and you can just log in with any name you'd like I think I I was kind of hoping if you're a forum member especially that you just log in with your forum name that makes it a little easier to keep, for people to keep track of each other anyway that's available now off of the main page on the website and I've got a few other uh few other tweaks in mind uh that I've got to do still to the website but it's it's coming along pretty nicely I'm pretty happy with the way things are going and it's it's working out real well. I, I really like the software that I'm using, and it's it's made the web page a lot easier to deal with and update. So I'm really uh, really happy with it right now. Well, I hope everybody's been in, having a nice summer so far and an enjoyable week or summer at least up, up in the United States area where I live. It is basically summertime right now. Although our weather, at least where I'm at, is has been pretty mild so far. I wanted to. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is went last night with um, my family to see the movie Cars, which is the new Pixar movie. And I know this isn't really exactly sci-fi, but I just wanted to mention that uh, this is another great Pixar movie. You know, they really they haven't had a miss in in the in my book at all. All their movies have been really good, and this one especially is just amazing. The the visuals and the the computer effects that they use to create all these cars and you know the whole scenery and it just the whole the whole movie is just it, you just kind of watch it and you just kind of say to yourself you know they did all that on computers it's just really spectacular and on top of that the great thing about these Pixar movies I feel is is they also have a, a very very good story to go along with it uh, it's not overly complicated but there's a lot of heart to the movie and I really really recommend it to to everyone out there to see this movie it's you know, people look at animated sometimes movies as being kiddie movies and that. And there were certainly a lot of kids there last night at the movies. But, you know, this this definitely, I mean, I'm not exactly uh, a kid anymore, although I, young at heart, I feel. But, it, you know, this this is the kind of movie I think that everyone can enjoy, no matter what your age is. And that's the, that's the other nice thing about Pixar films, I think, is they appeal to a, to a really wide range and, and huge audience. And, and I highly, highly can't recommend... Uh, the movie enough. So go see Cars when you get a chance. It's it's really a great film. There seems to be uh, an increasing amount of Star Trek news on the internet these days, what with uh, the talk of a new movie and other things happening. The couple of news items that I wanted to share with you this week, uh, one was the rumor that uh, Matt Damon, the actor uh, who's done a lot of movies, the Bourne movies especially, which I enjoyed, is in the rumor mill right now for playing the young Captain Kirk in, in the next Star Trek film. And that's, I think it's kind of an interesting idea. I, I really think they'd be better off getting someone uh, unknown or a little, you know, less known than Matt Damon to play the young Kirk, if that's the storyline that they're going to go with. But uh, that's the rumor floating around right now. I, I kind of give it about a, you know, 20% chance of being ending up being true or not. I Like I said, I think it's just a rumor for now, but I thought I'd share that uh, with everyone out listening to the podcast. Uh, that's uh, that's the talk for the for the next film, for the next Star Trek film. And along those lines, there, there's some other things going on. Uh, Tim Russ, who played Tuvok on Voyager, is going to direct some Star Trek short sort of uh, films just for the internet, I believe, is where they're going to be released. And the, the neat thing about this is he's getting a lot of people from you know the various Star Trek series 
to help him out with this, especially some people from the original series, Nichelle Nichols, George Takei, uh, Sulu, and Walter Koenig, uh, Chekhov, I believe are all going to have little parts in it, I think is what I read. And also Tim Russ is going to play Tuvok uh, at some age, or I, I think a younger Tuvok somehow. They're, these aren't all going to be in, they're not all necessarily going to be in one episode. They're going to be like, from what I've read, mini episodes that they're going to release, and he's going to direct uh, some of this. So so keep an eye out on that. I'll, uh, I'll be sure to keep everyone uh, posted on more information and, and check the uh, my website out for uh, links and other other details on this. Another, uh, there's other Star Trek in, info and uh, news out there too. Uh, the the other thing that's going on this year, of course, is the it's all the the big 40th anniversary of Star Trek. It started back in 1966, and there are a lot of items and collectibles. I've talked about them a little bit on the show that are coming out this year. Primarily, uh, you know, some more action figures, the large enterprise that Master Replicas is making that I that I talked about, but just lots and lots of stuff. There are a lot of conventions too this this summer and fall in Chicago, Las Vegas. I think I just read about a new one that's going to be in Toronto, a Star Trek convention. Try uh, if you're interested in any of this information, you can do some Google searches, but. Also, Creation Entertainment is is the primary uh, source for Star Trek conventions these days, and I believe their URL is creationent.com. I'll try to put a link in the show notes for this week, but if you're interested and maybe have never been to a Star Trek convention, this is definitely the year to to go to one. I am still going to try to get to one sometime this, this spring, or sorry, not spring, summer, fall, Sometime I'm thinking more of the Chicago one. The Vegas one, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it out to. But there's one in Chicago also. Uh, this It's coming, I think that one's over Labor Day weekend, the Chicago one, which is, from where I live, it's driving distance, which which is helpful. So I'm, I may try to get to that one. But anyway, for all that information, again, I'll put some links in the podcast notes. And there's always the Internet and searching. You should be able to find this information out real easy. Just try Creation Entertainment, like I said. They're the ones putting on most of these conventions, and they, they're pretty well done. I've been to several, many, many, many conventions. They used to, Creation used to come to Michigan quite often, but they don't do it anymore as much. Uh, the last time I think they were here was when Enterprise was still on, and it was about, I think about three years ago was the last one I remember them doing in Michigan. So they used to come at least a couple times a year. It's um, it's it's kind of kind of been less lately. So anyway, let's move on. Now, actually, I don't have a lot of new email. There are a couple, but I've already answered their questions and emails, and I talked about some on the Wednesday show this week. So I think what we're going to do right now is we're going to get right into the main topic, which is Return of the Jedi. Now, this movie first came out in 1983, and I'm, yes, old enough to remember going to see it when it was first in the theater. This uh, this movie, for me at least, uh, was was really kind of the... You know, I thought it was a fitting end to the Star Wars saga, and I'll talk more about this throughout the rest of the podcast, but I, I found that they did a good job. I felt really, really, um, really like they satisfied all the, the loose ends and had a satisfying conclusion to the trilogy. Now, keep in mind, back in 1983, everyone thought at the time, at least, that this was it. This was the last Star Wars movie ever. This was the last, uh, any kind of Star Wars stuff we would ever get, so it, uh, we did not have any inkling that there'd ever be prequels. Actually, the only thing that got floating around a few years after Return of the Jedi was that there might be some 
movies in, in the timeline after Return of the Jedi, you know, with the original Luke, Leia, Han, and all that. So that, that was, that was at least a possibility they were talking about George Lucas a few times, but so, so when this movie first came out, this, this was it. And I think they did a great job at, at sewing everything up, I guess is the way to put it. Right now I'm going to play a, one of the first clips. I've got a lot of clips to play this week that I, it was difficult as usual to, to pull out just a few clips from, from the movie for, to play for you. But the first one I'm going to play is one of the other trailers just to get us into the mood for watching or for talking about Return of the Jedi. So here we go. Return to a galaxy far, far away. Ready, everybody? Chewie, let's see what this piece of junk can do. Here we go again. You will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. <laughs> Return to heroic adventure. The dark side. Return to the ultimate confrontation. Freeze! Don't move! Oh dear. I love you. I know. Return for the climactic chapter of the Star Wars saga. Exciting is hardly the word I would choose. But most of all, return for the fun of it. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that uh, that little bit of uh, audio trailer stuff is uh, on the DVDs or from the DVDs. They have a lot of a fourth DVD in the DVD set. Did I say DVD about a hundred times there? I think so. Uh, anyway, there's uh, there are a lot of trailers, TV spots on on the bonus DVD that came with them. That's one of them. That is the trailer that was used. There was. You know, when the movies were out, there weren't a lot of videos and DVDs and everything. So they re-released these things, you know, almost annually for for quite a few years, which was a great thing. You know, I still enjoy seeing them in the movies. And if they re-released them even now, I would go see them again at the theater. You know, there's quite a bit of, even with a nice home theater system, I still enjoy seeing these in a big theater. But that was a trailer from that time uh, when they were doing one of their re-releases for Return of the Jedi. Now, I played a... Uh, a clip at the beginning of the show, which everyone, or I should say not everyone, uh, a lot of people maybe know this, but originally George Lucas had named this third Star Wars movie, third one at the time, Revenge of the Jedi. And he decided that that name needed to be changed. He decided Revenge and Jedi did not go together. Jedis do not uh, take revenge on anything, even though you know, it kind of fit at least. It was sort of the revenge overall of the Jedi back, you know, you keep in mind the Sith had sort of wiped them out, you know, that you saw a little bit of that in Re Revenge of the Sith. Now, Revenge of the Sith, the title worked because the Sith are all about, you know, power and conquest and that, you know, the dark side and everything, and revenge is fine, fine by them, but Jedi, no, they don't do revenge. Uh, but it, that's um, that's one of the reasons, at least, he changed the name from Revenge of the Jedi to Return of the Jedi. And I, I think the name fits a lot better, you know, with Luke becoming really a full Jedi 
throughout this movie and by the end of it he uh he returns you know the force to the way it's at and actually there's some you know discussion that vader really is the one always that returns balance to the force that even though he created some bad times and problems that ultimately he by the end of return of the jedi destroys the emperor and the emperor you know the being the head sith really is is what brings balance back to the force by by vader killing killing the emperor and luke is really of course important in why that happens and we'll talk about that more uh, in a few minutes here now as everybody knows by the the end of empire strikes back you know there was a lot of things that had happened han solo was in carbonite uh, luke luke was just you know had gotten his hand chopped off by vader and the the rebellion was was not in very good shape and th- they had a lot really to cover in return of the jedi to to solve all these problems and i think again i think george lucas really did a, a good job one of the things that i've said i think before that the thing that i think he did a good job with was picking a a good director each time for these movies and this one was directed by richard marquand who i think he did good with the characters did good with the action and, and blended it all together in, in a nice movie now now, one of the things I might talk about this later also, but one of the things people uh, have a problem with in in this movie a bit is the Ewok situation. Now, there, there's a few things about that I wanted to just mention right now. One is uh, originally George Lucas was thinking of using the Wookiees in that role of kind of helping to defeat the Empire. But he decided uh, for, for a variety of reasons to use Ewoks, even even less likely candidates for, for creatures to you know, wipe out the stormtroopers, wipe out kind of the empire. But keep in mind, they, they really don't do that. I mean, they, they take out some of the ground troops. They do a few things down on, on Endor. But it's really Vader and Luke, by destroying the emperor, that really takes everything, uh, you know, takes the empire out of out of its its iron rule, I guess, with that leader. I mean, he's, he's a dictator, basically. And you can see at the end, you know, that one of the changes George Lucas did that I kind of like, actually, at the end of Return of the Jedi was where he adds the little clips and scenes from a different planets, Tatooine, Coruscant, uh, I think Naboo maybe, if I remember right, I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, there's all these scenes across the Empire of everyone celebrating. I don't know how they got the news so fast. I guess you sort of have to like, you know, a little ship flew over to these places or whatever, but not important really. But the the, the point is, is that, and you even see, I think, a statue of the, the Emperor being toppled in, on Coruscant, but the the point is, no one really liked the Empire. No one really liked the Emperor, but no one really wanted to do much about it except for the rebellion. No one really was uh, capable of fighting back. But once the Emperor's gone, poof, you know, it's like okay, yeah, we're good. We're we're good with no Empire or uh, no Emperor. That's for sure. But if you read any of the uh, expanded universe novels that took place after that happened, you know the rebellion, you know, reformed the the republic, but there were a lot of difficulties with with the politics and everything like that. It wasn't an easy task, and I don't want to get too much off onto that subject. Maybe I'll use that as a podcast subject in the future. But uh, I just wanted to throw that out there that uh, you know the Ewoks really, yeah, people don't really have to worry that much about them. I mean, they knocked out some stormtroopers, but it was really by killing the Empire or, kill, excuse me, killing the Emperor that destroyed the em- Empire. So, let us get back into the heart of the movie, I think. I've got about 10 or 11 clips to play. I want to get into those. Uh, the first one, again, it was difficult to, to select just some a few scenes. And, you know, a lot of the Star Wars films are difficult with 
with pulling audio clips out of them because the dialogue a lot of times there's a lot of sound effects and action going on and it's not a uh, it's not like Star Trek where Star Trek can be a lot more talky I guess is what I want to say but but Star Wars has so much more action it's difficult to find scenes with some good dialogue that you can play and get the heart of what's going on but I I, I did my best. So the first one, this is a scene, uh, I believe this is the scene where we're in uh, at the beginning of the movie with, uh, you're at uh, Jabba's palace, and this is this is the scene where uh, Princess Leia, disguised as the bounty hunter, uh, is freeing Han from the Carbonite, which I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a great uh, a great way to do that. I liked how everyone sort of disguised themselves pretty much and snuck into Jabba's place to, to help uh, get uh, Han out. So, so listen to this clip. Just relax for a moment. You're free of the carbonite. You have hibernation sickness. I can't see. Your eyesight will return in time. Where am I? Jabba's palace. Who are you? Someone who loves you. I gotta get you out of here. What's that? I know that laugh. Hey, Jabba. Look, Jabba. I was just on my way to pay you back, and I got a little sidetracked. It's not my fault. I really like the uh, I like the voice of Jabba. I mean, it just it just fits his the way he looks so well. He sounds like this big slobbery kind of character, or looks like it at least. Then he sounds like it too. So, and you know, that was a cool scene where where Han comes up, you know, is released from the carbonite and. Uh, like the idea that he's got, he doesn't just come out there bang. He's all good. He he can't see very well. Uh, Leia's the one to to get him out of there because she's of course in love with him, and 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 he has that line at the end of Empire, you know, where she says I love you, and he says I know, and I think I talked about that on my podcast about Empire. You know, that was to signify that, you know, he'd be back. He, this wasn't the end for him, uh, and I, I I like that. I like that whole scene. Uh, I I think the. Uh, they spent some good time here, really, in the movie. I noticed it was a good half hour, a little bit more of the first, you know, section of the movie, getting getting Han away from from Jabba. And you know, one of the one of the themes I think that runs through the original trilogy in general is, is friendship and loyalty, and that and and that is uh is is definitely in Return of the Jedi, and it is one to me. It's one of the reasons why Luke ultimately is able to resist the empire or excuse me i'm doing that again why luke is able to resist the emperor you know turning to the dark side and all that versus versus how anakin you know had that problem when you when you think about it they never showed really in the prequel movies i mean he had padme anakin did and he had sort of obi-wan but you got the idea growing up uh, as he did on tatooine and everything like that and everything anakin went through he didn't have you know what Luke had. He didn't have, you know, these real loyal, strong friendships, and I think Luke was a little bit, you know, had a little bit better head on his shoulders. I guess is the way to put it, and that enabled him to to resist the, you know, the temptations of 
of the emperor. And I believe a little bit of what had to, had going on there, you know, was maybe I'm not saying this quite right, but was the fact that he was uh, really trying to save his father, save Vader, save Anakin, and, and that that was important also. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I just wanted to throw that in though. The next clip here, this is when Luke appears, of course, to try to try to talk Jabba and do some Jedi mind trick stuff on him to try to get uh, Han and everyone away. And Luke learns basically, uh, you know, on 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 Jabba, Jedi mind tricks are not not working real good. So listen to this clip. You will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. Nevertheless, I'm taking Captain Solo and his friends. You can either profit by this or be destroyed. It's your choice, but I warn you not to underestimate my power. Master Luke, you're standing on. Yeah, that, uh, you know, that funny laugh in the back is that little uh, salacious crumb is, is, is the character's name. You don't really hear it in the movie, but that's that little... Uh, I don't even know what to call it. That little creature that sits at the foot of Jabba, basically, and laughs and giggles at everything. He's like a, like a little hyena almost, and that's what you hear a little bit in that uh, scene. But of course, that's you know, Luke shows up in these dark robes, and you're kind of like when you first see this movie, you're like, what what's going on here? And he tries to talk uh, Jabba into giving him Han and everyone, and it doesn't work real well. And then he gets dropped into the pit with the rancor and all that stuff, and. You're kind of wondering, well, how come he doesn't bring any weapons? How come he doesn't have his lightsaber, you know, or whatever, and his uh, blaster or something? And you kind of realize as this this goes on, and by the end of it, that uh, he is he is a Jedi. He is playing that role, and a Jedi wouldn't just come in there and start tearing the place up with a lightsaber. They always try to negotiate first. They always try to deal with things in a nonviolent way, really. And until he's forced to it, and there's a key point here, I think I've got a clip of it where, you know, where Luke is being forced into that Sarlacc pit, and he's he's telling Jabba, you know, look, okay, give, you know, let us go, and we'll just walk away, and everything will be fine. And he keeps giving him opportunity, after, you know, opportunity after opportunity for Jabba to, to go along with this, and Jabba just kind of goes, ho, 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 ho. You know, he's just laughing away, and... And, and Luke finally, when he's pushed to the point of, well, now I have to defend myself because they're trying to kill me, they're trying to kill my friends, he then can, of course, use all of his skills and, and everything and his lightsaber and so forth and, and, and break free. It's a little tricky when you think about it, but, it, you know, it does lend itself to some cool movie stuff and, and, and some cool scenes, uh, especially the part where, you know, R2 uh, pops out the lightsaber to him, flings it across, you know, shoots it out at the top of R2, and, and Luke catches it, and, and now everything's good, and you get this great scene where he's fighting off all the Jabba's guards and Boba Fett and everything like that. So, it, you know, it's kind of a little bit hokey when you think about it. I mean, it's like, okay, you know, why doesn't he just walk in there and just, you know, do what he can do? 
but it works, I think, and, and it makes it really exciting when it happens. So let's let's play some of that for you now. Three PL, you tell that slimy piece of worm-ridden filth to get no such pleasure from us, right? Jabba, this is your last chance. Free us or die. <laughs> So that's uh, that's the scene, of course, where Luke is, uh, you know, does the little flip off the ramp and is rescuing everyone. That uh, that scream you hear is is called, uh, I think it's the name of it is called like the Wilhelm scream or something. Wilhelm uh, sound effect. It's a famous sound effect that's been used in movies and and television over the years, and it, it turns up a lot in George Lucas's stuff in Star Wars, in the Raiders of the Lost Ark movies. It's a very famous sound effect, and you hear it. I think one of the guards falls off into into the pit, or it might have been even Boba Fett there. No, I don't think it was Boba because that was later when when Han knocks into him. But there, one of the guards falls into the Sarlacc pit, and you hear that scream, kind of Wilhelm scream. I think is the name of it. Uh, you can probably find that information out again on the net. But uh, I, it's interesting when you hear that. Once you know it, you start hearing it all over the place in movies and TV. It's amazing uh, how one sound effect can be used so many times over and over again in different stuff. So I thought I'd uh, mention that. Uh, so that's uh, so now they're they're away from Jabba and, and everything, and they've um, there's uh, an interesting little side thing here. There's a there's a scene where they're first heading back to um, to the ships to the the Millennium Falcon, which is parked on Tatooine, hidden away, and, and Luke's X-wing. There's a sandstorm scene that was that was filmed for Return of the Jedi, that was never that was never put into the movie. This can be found, I believe, online in some places. I don't think it's on any of the DVDs that I've seen, but it's uh, you know it's an interesting little scene where they're all uh, there's kind of a sandstorm going on. They're getting back to the ships, and and Han is thanking Luke again for coming to rescue him and things like that. So. But that that didn't make the final cut of the movie. You know, there are there are a few clips uh, that have been that are out there that never made it into you know any of the Star Wars movies. There was one recently that was floating around again that I've seen before of Luke uh, in the first Star Wars film as a farm boy. He's got the little hat on and he's looking through his binoculars up into the sky. Uh, that footage was shown uh, uh, a little bit. It may have been on YouTube, things like that. But that I've seen that before. What that was supposed to signify in the movie in Star Wars was Luke was supposed to, in the first movie, and I'm getting a little away from Jedi for a second here, but bear with me, 
Luke was supposed to be looking at the space battle that was happening over Tatooine in the first movie of Princess Leia, uh, Princess Leia's cruiser being attacked uh, by the Star Destroyer. He was supposed to see that in, in, in outer space, and you were supposed to get a little sense of how he was very interested in adventure and excitement and wanted to get off Tatooine. But that, again, that, of course, scene did not make it into the final uh, first movie and Into a New Hope. But let's go on in uh, Return of the Jedi time frame. The next uh, clip, this is a, a little scene. There's a scene, a couple of few throughout the movie of discussions between Vader and the Emperor about Luke and about what's going on. And I think it adds, uh, you, you start to sense some things from these clips that, that Vader and the Emperor at this point in time they're not exactly seeing eye to eye uh, on everything, especially when it comes to Luke. And well, I'll play the clip for you, and, and uh, you can listen. The Death Star will be completed on schedule. You've done well, Lord Vader. And now I sense you wish to continue your search for young Skywalker. Yes, my master. Patience. My friend, in time, he will seek you out, and when he does, you must bring him before me. He has grown strong. Only together can we turn him to the dark side of the Force. As you wish. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> So yeah, he's uh the emperor has foreseen a lot of these things he says a couple times in the movie. But of course, he's he's not quite exactly accurate in how everything works out. It's um it's kind of interesting. The um I didn't gather uh, any audio with with the conversation between Luke and Yoda. Uh for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's a little difficult to understand Yoda's, you know, dying there in that scene, and he tells Luke about Vader being his father, and and the fact that uh, he has another, uh, he has a, another Skywalker out there that's floating around, another family member. He doesn't say specifically. Yoda doesn't say exactly who it is, but um, but I thought the easier, uh, more explanation to that to play for you would be the scene right after that between Obi Wan as a little Jedi ghost there floating on on Dagobah. And Luke, they have the, they have a similar discussion, and Luke learns everything that way. And so I'll play that for you now. When I first knew him, your father was already a great pilot, but I was amazed how strongly the Force was with him. I took it upon myself to train him as a Jedi. I thought that I could instruct him just as well as Yoda. I was wrong. There is still good in him. He's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. I can't do it, Ben. You cannot escape your destiny. You must face Darth Vader again. I can't kill my own father. Then the Emperor has already won. You were our only hope. Yoda spoke of another. The other he spoke of is your twin sister. But I have no sister. Hmm. 
To protect you both from the Emperor, you were hidden from your father when you were born. The Emperor knew, as I did, if Anakin were to have any offspring, they would be a threat to him. That is the reason why your sister remains safely anonymous. Leia. Leia is my sister. Your insight serves you well. Bury your feelings deep down, Luke. They do you credit, but they could be made to serve the Emperor. So, uh, so of course, uh, Obi-Wan explains himself there about, you know, a different point of view and, you know, that Anakin had destroyed really his father by becoming Darth Vader. The, the interesting thing, and I'm trying to remember if I, I think I may have said this, uh, in, in a previous Star Wars podcast, uh, when I was talking about the other movies, but it, if you read some of early, uh, interviews with George Lucas right around the turn, the first movie, uh, the first Star Wars movie coming out in 1977, there's a Rolling Stone article specifically that states, uh, you know, when George Lucas first had, you know, these ideas and had the overall outline of the storyline going on, the characters of Anakin and Darth Vader were, in fact, two different people. The The way it was supposed to go was that scene on the lava planet planet there on Mustafar with uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin fighting, it was really supposed to be a three-way fight. This is originally, again, keep in mind that uh, at this point, Lucas had believed or had had it worked out that, that the character of Anakin, Luke's father, was different than Vader. Vader was another character. Let's just call him Vader. Maybe he had a different name before that, but he was this this Jedi that was being slowly turned to the dark side. There was there was Obi Wan, and there was Anakin, and Anakin being a, a, a good good Jedi. Obi Wan, of course, good, and and Vader, the character of Vader, being this one being seduced by the dark side, and then there's this fight uh, on the lava planet that was supposed to happen that Vader would actually really literally kill Luke's father, Anakin, in the fight, and then Obi-Wan would still stop Vader by, you know, slicing and dicing him and, and leaving him to die there on the on the planet, and, of course, the Emperor coming along and picking up Vader and rebuilding him as, as this machine Vader character. But as, as at some point in, in time, right around, you know, prior to, of course, Empire Strikes Back, that Lucas decided that it was much more interesting if, in this whole storyline if Luke's father was really a, a, a good person, a good character that was seduced and turned to the dark side uh, almost, uh, you know, kind of in a way, not through his own, you know, will or anything, but through circumstances slightly. If you're, you know, remember how it all went in Revenge of the Sith. So it was much more interesting to have a, a, a basically a good character slipping slowly to into darkness and in, onto into the dark side, and you know much more tragic and much more classic kind of a story. And it also sets everything up really well for for Luke and for everything that happens in the original trilogy to pull his father back to to save his father and and to turn him back ultimately towards good at the end and and it's uh it's a much more classic myth mythical type tale that way rather than just like oh i want to kill you because you killed my father no i i am i am going to try to save you because you are my father it, much much more dramatic and interesting i think this way 
So that's uh, some side stuff I just thought I would mention. I, I think I may have said that before during the Empire Strikes Back podcast, but eh, it's still important things to, to throw out there. The next, uh, the next clip I want to play for you, this one's rather long. This is, uh, this one's almost three minutes long, this clip, but I think there's some important stuff here, and I've always liked this scene. This is the scene. Now we're, um, shooting all the way to the point where we're on Endor. Luke is there, Leia, uh, Han Solo. They've met up with the Ewoks and all that stuff. And Luke is having a conversation. Luke has a conversation with, with Princess Leia about his, his family and her family, ultimately, and, this explains everything she learns about Vader and, and things like that. So it's important things. It's a little bit of a quiet scene, so, but I'll play it for you now. And, and like I said, it, it's fairly long. This one's almost three minutes, but uh, I think it's important stuff. So here you go. Leia, do you remember your mother? Your real mother? Just a little bit. She died when I was very young. What do you remember? Just images, really. Feelings. Tell me. She was very beautiful, kind, but sad. Why are you asking me this? I have no memory of my mother. I never knew her. Luke, tell me, what's troubling you? Vader is here, now, on this moon. How do you know? I felt his presence. He's come for me. He can feel when I'm near. That's why I have to go. As long as I stay, I'm endangering the group and our mission here. I have to face him. Why? He's my father. There's more. It won't be easy for you to hear it, but you must. If I don't make it back, you're the only hope for the Alliance. Luke, don't talk that way. You have a power I, I don't understand and could never have. You're wrong, Leia. You have that power, too. In time, you'll learn to use it as I have. The force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it, and my sister has it. Yes, it's you, Leia. I know. Somehow. I've always known. Then you know why I have to face him. No. Luke, run away. Far away. If he can feel your presence, then leave this place. I wish I could go with you. No, you don't. You've always been strong. But why must you confront him? Because there is good in him. I felt it. He won't turn me over to the Emperor. I can save him. I can turn him back to the good side. I have to try. Yeah, it's uh it's a real good scene there. There are, you know, now there's a little bit of uh kind of a little bit of differences or controversy about what Leia says there about her mother 
versus what you see happen in Revenge of the Sith. You know, she she has these images of her mother being beautiful and and very, you know, sad and and you kind of like, well, she died right after you were born. How do you even really know that? But I think you really have to take into into account with that the whole force concept and the force in the family and the Skywalker bloodline and 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 everything there that she could have picked up some images in a way, I guess, when she was that young. The fact that she says something like her mother died when she was very young could have just been something she was told, you know, when, as she grew up with um, the Organas uh, on um, whatever the heck, Alderaan, yeah, losing it. Uh, when they were on Alderaan, she could have just been told, well, your mother died when you were very young and you were you, we adopted you and so on. So she may not really have seen that happen, but that's okay. So I just wanted to throw that out uh, for that scene. But it's important there that that Luke is is really admitting that Leia is stronger than, than he is in a way, but that he needs to still try to save Vader and save his father and turn him back to the good side. A, a very uh, important scene, I think, overall to the to the movie. Of course, uh, you know, Luke uh, basically turns himself in. Vader takes him in front of the Emperor like he's been instructed and uh, but Luke is not really not really falling for it. You know, the attack starts uh, with the rebellion, and, and Luke is there, kind of you know, conflicted and tormented. You know, and the, and the Emperor is kind of baiting him and, and leading him on. You know, here, take your take your lightsaber, strike me down, and you'll become more powerful, and so on. And and Luke actually kind of falls for it at one point. You know, he, he, he does use the force, he pulls his lightsaber, and he's about to attack the Emperor, but Vader intervenes. Now, that's it's kind of important there, because actually, when you think about it, in, in, at least the way I look at that scene, is that that Vader, his father, is is really saving Luke at that point from, from turning to the dark side. Because if he would have struck the Emperor down, just like the Emperor says, you know, a defenseless, you know, person, or, or whatever you want to call him, Killing the Emperor in that way, Luke would have really slipped to the dark side. That isn't what a Jedi would do. So, so Vader, in a way, is is stopping that from happening. the The next clip, though, I want to play for you is is during the course of the fight with some of the conversation. You know, Luke is really not trying to fight his father, not trying to fight Vader. He's trying to to turn him back to to make him realize that there is still a chance in time to sort of repent and come back to the good side. Well, there's a, there's a little bit of that conversation in this next clip, so listen to this. Your thoughts betray you, Father. I feel the good in you, the conflict. There is no conflict. You couldn't bring yourself to kill me before, and I don't believe you'll destroy me now. You underestimate the power of the dark side. If you will not fight, then you will meet your destiny. Yeah, you hear the uh, the emperor is just really getting a kick out of this whole thing. You know, when you think about uh, what had happened in the that they did in the prequels and in these movies, the emperor is, is constantly, you know, he's He's always trying to get a new, more powerful, younger apprentice. Dooku dies, the older Dooku, so he's going to take a young, strong Anakin in the Force as his new apprentice. Here, Vader is is pretty much, you know, he's he's mostly machine at this point. He he's not as nearly as strong as he used to be with everything, and he's looking for a new apprentice in Luke. And 
it's not really working out for him, of course, because because Luke is a little bit stronger in a way uh, and a little more resistant than Anakin. It wasn't, it, you know, Anakin was kind of a little bit gullible and naive, really, when you think about what happened in in Revenge of the Sith. But but Luke is is a little bit more. He's a little older. He's a little more seasoned, and I think that helps him. And of course, he's got the whole thing about trying to save his father, which which is an influence. And he can see what has happened to his father by by being turned to the dark side. And I think that's I just realized that that's probably an important point too. There that that Luke doesn't want to end up being just a servant to the Emperor and 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 become like his father did. And that that I think is is ultimately or or, or a good reason with with Vader right there of why Luke doesn't want to end up that way too. Where Anakin didn't see where this would all lead. He was mostly just worried about saving Padme. Um, and he didn't have an example of what would happen right in front of him if you turn to the dark side. So the, the next clip, the next clip is, this one's a rather long one, but again, it's a very important one. And I, I have to play, uh, play this one, I believe. This, uh, one thing I want to say about this next clip, this is basically the end, end fight between Vader and Luke, where Vader is, is egging Luke on. And ultimately, there was an interview with Lucas, and he basically had said in the in the interview that he had to figure out a way. Luke doesn't want to fight Vader. He's trying to turn him back to the good side, and he really doesn't want to face him and fight him. And he's kind of hiding, and he's just really fighting defensively. Uh, he's not trying to attack and things. But but what happened is Lucas realized that the he had the real ultimate reason right in front of him, real easily that that Luke would would start thinking about his friends and start thinking about Leia and Vader would realize oh he he didn't realize this until this point but that there was another Skywalker out there that Luke has a twin a twin sister and Vader threatens basically to say he you know he says well if you don't turn to the dark side I'll get your sister I'll go after your sister and of course this is the point and the the impetus and the reason that Luke pulls out of the shadows and attacks Vader and says, no, you're not going to get my sister. You're not going to get uh, Leia. You're, you're going to face me. And that is a very good reason for what happens. And it's just really at the end of the fight that he pulls back because he, he's ready to take Vader out completely. But at the very end, he, he pulls back and he holds back and he doesn't kill him. He just disarms him and he does what he needs to do. But when, when Vader threatens to go after his sister go after leia it gets luke gets close to going over to the edge you know over to the dark side but he he doesn't really and he just stops he finds the strength inside to stop and pull himself back and i think that's an important thing so let's play that uh this one's a couple minutes long we'll play this clip for you now you cannot hide forever luke i will not fight you Give yourself to the dark side. It is the only way you can save your friends. Yes, your thoughts betray you. Your feelings for them are strong, especially for... Sister. So, you have a twin sister. Your feelings have now betrayed her, too. Obi-Wan was wise to hide her from me. Now his failure is complete. 
If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. the uh the look on the emperor's face when when luke tells him that line you know you failed i'm a jedi it's it's really really a good look he's like what <laughs> what <laughs> he uh of course that's when he pulls out the 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 evil force lightning which uh you um, i don't believe yeah when we first saw return of the jedi it, you'd never seen that that go off before you would never seen that effect and and of course, Dooku and the Emperor and the prequels—you see that quite often, but you don't see it. And this is kind of a shock, and you go, "Uh oh, Luke's in trouble." And I really remember distinctly the first time I saw this movie, and I watched the scene with, uh, you know, the, the Emperor blasting the lightning down on Luke, and Luke, Luke just, you know, writhing around on the ground and and suffering and calling out to his father, calling out to Vader. Vader gets himself up and. Uh, even though he's got his hand gone and, and so forth, he doesn't have his lightsaber and he, he, you've got those scenes where Vader's looking back and forth between the Emperor and Luke and his son is, is in pain and dying on the ground and, and the Emperor is blasting away, his master is blasting away at him and he's always obeyed his master for years and years and, and he's like, something basically just snaps inside of Vader at that point. And, and he just, he can't take it. He's, even though he hasn't really known his son very long, he, he is he's still his son. And there is still, as Luke always had said throughout this, there is still good in Vader. And ultimately, that's what brings balance back to the Force. Vader, you know, picks, picks the Emperor up, even though the lightning's still going on. He gets blasted. It kills, it ultimately kills Vader. But he's he won't let the emperor kill his son, and that's that's very important. And I'm gonna play uh, play that for you now. It's difficult, you know. Everyone's seen this scene. You guys know what happens. I just talked about it, but the uh, it's mostly a lot of music and sound effects, not a lot of dialogue. But I'm gonna play it for you. So here is the emperor uh, being destroyed by Vader, by really by the emperor being destroyed by Anakin. So listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, young Skywalker, you will die. have it that's uh you know vader ultimately redeems himself really becomes anakin again and destroys the emperor destroys his master after all those years and it's his son that really brings him back and and there's a you know that scene where where luke uh, vader asks uh luke to take his mask off and to see his son with his own eyes it, you know is it's just a just a tragic kind of thing situation and scene and not really tragic i guess but just really emotional situation and scene with uh vader you see for the first time without his mask on very uh very good scene there i i was gonna play that but i i just um just didn't pick that one i mean that was not not for any reason that's very powerful stuff but i was actually just too many clips playing but i'm gonna play a little music as i sort of recap uh the the rest of Return of the Jedi here. So let me let me get that queued up. So that's uh, Return of the Jedi. I feel a very fine uh, final movie in the Star Wars original trilogy. Uh, it's it's really a tale of uh, a son redeeming and, and saving his father. Vader turning back to the good side, you know, friendship, loyalty in the movie. It's 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 really good. I I, I really like like it a lot. I, I think it's uh, it's really a good way to end the series, the trilogy. And you know, there's that scene at the end where where they replaced uh, Hayden Christensen with the older Anakin in, in the you know the Force images of of Yoda, Obi Wan, and Anakin that they see. And Lucas has said that that's because they wanted to show Anakin when he was still uh, as part of the good side and kind of ties the trilogies together. I, I don't know, I still like the older version better, but I can understand his point there, that that's, that's when Anakin was still still before he had turned, and it, it was important for Lucas, I think, to show that, to show them back when they were originally still all on the good side. And, and Obi-Wan is older because he'd never turned, so that's why he looks the way he does. You don't show the young Obi-Wan, because he never went to the dark side. But uh, So Return of the Jedi, you know, Star Wars for me is is, is almost, or, or, you know, it's just great films, very mythic tales, and lots of uh, lots of good stuff. So I hope you enjoyed this look at Return of the Jedi. 
I really enjoyed looking back at the movie, and it's really nice to have the DVDs out and everything. I'm going to take a, uh, a really brief uh, brief break here, and then I'm going to come back and talk about some uh, Star Wars collectibles, so stay tuned. Hi, this is Len from Jawbone Radio, and whenever I need the latest Star Trek or sci-fi news, I listen to my friend Rick on the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Hey, do you think he's going to be talking about Wookiees? Because I love Wookiees. Okay, of course, uh, I've talked about collectibles, uh, Star Wars items, uh, quite a few times on the, on the podcast, but today I wanted to talk about, I, I don't think I've talked about these before, but Master Replicas makes a, uh, a great line of what they're called, the, the trademark they threw on them was called, or is called Force FX lightsabers. These run about $100 each, and they've made quite a few by now. Probably, I think, maybe about eight of them, eight or nine of them. They've they've come out throughout the past few years, and each time they make sort of a new new one, they, the technology on the them improves quite a bit. Uh, the last few that they make uh, are really excellent items. They did a Darth Maul one recently. The one I wanted to talk about specifically for this show, I thought, which would be, I'm going to talk about the version they made of Luke's uh, saber from Return of the Jedi. This one came out, this one was originally a... Uh, a Borders, uh, the the Borders bookstore exclusive, but it it eventually has made its way online. You can find them on eBay. Uh, there's a, there's several sites. There's a there's a place called Andrew's Toys, I think, that still has them. Youbynow.com uh, has has several uh, Force FX lightsabers. I just looked at their site. I don't think they have the Luke version, but they have other ones. And of course, if you go to youbynow.com and use Trek SF or Treks in Sci-Fi, you can save 10% on your purchase. So, so take a look there. But the one again, what I want to talk about is the Luke one from Return of the Jedi. Now, interestingly enough, that uh, Luke, uh, his lightsaber that he uses in Return of the Jedi is there's actually two versions that he uses in the film. They have two different uh, hilts or looks. There's what's called the hero version, which is the one with a, a, a gold accent at the end and is very detailed and nice looking and clean. That's the one you occasionally see on his belt and, and in certain scenes in the movie. But there's a, a stunt prop version that's a little dirtier looking. There's a very specific scene where, where Vader is holding it after Luke turns himself in on that landing platform. The stunt version, though, is a lot dirtier and has a few different details on it, but the the ones that they generally have produced master replicas the both just the hilts and these force fx sabers is the hero version or the clean looking version and i'm holding uh the latest one the borders exclusive lightsaber this uh these force fx sabers are very very well done they have a metal it has a metal hilt with all the normal look and and clip belt clip and detailing that they put onto the the more expensive hilts that Master Replicas makes. But it also has the added, of course, light-up uh, tube that's at the end that gives it, you know, the cool lightsaber look, and it has all the sound effects. And when you turn it and move it, it changes the sound effect. What I was going to say about the Master Replicas, they have improved these to the point now where they use LEDs, a sequence of LED lights inside the, the lightsaber tube to give it a uh, a power on and a power down effect. So it actually, the light travels up the tube and then down the tube when you turn it on and off. And it's just, just really cool, cool item. Master Replicas did a great job with these. They pack all the sound effects and 
and everything for the lighting power and everything into the hilt. And it's, it's great. They make clashing sounds if you, if you knock them into each other. They're fairly durable. You can kind of, uh, battle another guy with one. And, and they're only around $100 each. And these things are great for costuming, for, you know, taking out on Halloween or whenever you have something to go to that, uh, you want to dress up as your favorite Jedi. Uh, this stuff is, is just great. And uh, I, <laughs> when I was growing up, they didn't have toys like these. I had to try to make mine out of flashlights and, I remember using uh, plastic tubes that were liners for golf uh, golf bags and gluing them and attaching them on the ends of flashlights and swinging them around. So you know when I when I was growing up, uh, you know this sounds like uh, like just the typical kind of top. Oh, they didn't have those kind of toys when I was growing up, no siree, Bob. So, uh, but yeah, this uh, this stuff that they've got now is just amazing. They do a great job with these and. If you're at all a Star Wars fan, if you could only buy one kind of replica uh, toy, lightsaber-like thing, these things are so much better and, and, and more, you know, brighter and, and just, just so much above the plastic toy ones you buy at the, at the Toys R Us. It's, it's just del- definitely worth it if you want to buy something to save up a little bit more and get one of these. I mean, the toy ones cost... You know, usually they're on the order of $30 or so in the store, and you can find these these mass replicas Force FX sabers even on sale for, you know, less less money, $70, $80. So, you know, maybe for about twice the price or a little bit more than the, than the plastic toy ones, you can get a very cool replica. The handle's metal. They have to change the, the saber hilt just a little bit on the neck, on the, the Luke one, make it a little thicker. To hold the saber or the holy blade, I should say, better in place. But it's still uh, still a great replica. I've got quite a few of these. I'll put some. There's some photos up in the collection gallery, and I'll link it in the notes and everything. But you can find these very easily. They're at a few stores around town, uh, depending on where you live, usually. And they're also, of course, you can find them online, which is usually where I get them through. Uh, they're they're a little easier to find that way, and you can get some pretty good deals out there. So check it out. Force FX lightsaber line from Master Replicas. Great stuff. Well worth the money. Well, this uh, this week's podcast has, has gone on a little longer than normal. Uh, I hope that it's still been worth it to listen this long uh, to me ramble on about uh, Star Wars and Return of the Jedi. I hope you've everyone's enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to try to get out of here and wrap this up. I want to cu- just announce a couple of things for the f- upcoming future right now. Uh, this Wednesday is the premiere date of Superman Returns. So the most likely, unless I'm really geeked up when I get home from the movie and want to record a quick segment... But I'm going to see uh, Superman Returns uh, with my kids this this Wednesday, so I probably won't have a Wednesday show this week. But next weekend, of course, I'll be back with a regular weekend show. I am probably going to do a original Star Trek series episode as the review for next Sunday's show. I haven't decided which one. And what I wanted to do is I thought I would throw it out there. If there's a original series Star Trek episode that I haven't uh, touched upon yet, that you guys are interested in me talking about. I have a couple of ideas right now, and I can certainly pick one. But send me an email at treksf at gmail.com. I'm always open to suggestions. If I get a couple uh, emails from some listeners of a specific, uh, this has got to be, I'm, I'm looking to do an original series episode for next uh, weekend show. 
So that'll be next Sunday. But, but send me some suggestions, what you guys would like me to talk about. And that'll be for next weekend. And that's about it for right now. Uh, again, check out the website when you get a chance. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. And thanks a lot for listening. I know there's lots of stuff out there to listen to, songs, podcasts, etc. And I'm glad that you've, you've taken the time to, to listen to this, uh, this show of mine. Uh, over the weeks hopefully too so that's it everyone enjoy the week i will talk to you again real soon take care bye-bye this has been a rick dusty podcast production 